The opinions of Fred Fowler and A.J. Hoffman don't reflect the views of Gal Media. Parental discretion is advised. KFNC Mont Bellevue, Houston, a Gal Media station. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, this is The Blitz on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Today's Blitz Rewind starts now. I hate to say this about it. Like, you make it to the Final Four, it's a really big accomplishment. It is. It's a, it's, it's a great accomplishment. But it doesn't mean that you're suddenly a good team. UCLA's not good. Like, I'm not letting a five game span override everything I've seen for the entire season. It's it, like you that's the mistake people make. And th- this team has gotten lucky is an understatement. In two games in a row. Let let's let's just be perfectly honest here. They had no business winning either one of those games. The other they teams, had no business winning the first four game. Have you saw this but the NFL is uh likely to play games in Germany and South America this year. About damn time. <laughs> I'm not crazy about going to Brazil for a game, but I wouldn't mind going to Germany for one. I wouldn't mind that either. That wouldn't suck, which I want to expand the international thing, which makes sense now that you're going to play 17 games. Yep. Here's Fred Fowler and A.J. Hoffman. And we're back on the Blitz. Hour number three, 713-780. ESPN's your number, 713-780-3776. Or get us on the Blitz Facebook page. Find the Blitz. Quick like, send a message. Aaron will read it. Twitter's at Fred Fowler. F-A-O-U-R. At AJ is the real. At Aaron is Bliss. At Degenerates975. And for the next segment, at Lance Erline. You can text the show. You know the number for that. You can watch us on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash ESPN975. You missed the first two hours. Some of what you missed. More great stuff ahead because uh, Lance Erline joins us. First, I have to say, uh, Chris said his six-year-old son was upset that I said stupid. And he told him he would text me. He thought that was funny. <laughs> I apologize for using the word stupid. Yeah, Six-year-old son of Chris. Maybe get it together. Uh, from now on, I will call those people dumb. Okay. Shame. Tapman Lance. What's going on, guys? How you doing? Doing fantastic, my friend. Good. How's, uh, how's the draft prep going? Good, good. We're about uh, close to 440 players done. So Nice. That's 60 more to go. All right. Did uh, Justin Fields' ridiculous... 40 times sway your thoughts on him at all? No, I mean, unless he's got a... Well, now, listen, if the NFL starts a 4 by 100 relay team <laughs> for quarterbacks, absolutely. But um, other than that, no, I thought he threw the ball well. That's kind of stuff that will um, sway me a little. But pro day, I don't... You know, all you can do is really hurt yourself in pro day for me rather than help yourself. Did Mac Jones hurt himself? Uh, a little, I mean, for me. But I don't know if... I, I wasn't very high on him anyway. So... And I don't know. I I mean, if Kyle, Kyle Shanahan, Shanahan likes him, him it, it doesn't really matter anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's no such thing as hurting yourself if Shanahan likes you. Um, and he traded up. I have a hard time believing. I mean, can't, Kyle Shanahan would have to love two quarterbacks to to move up to at least two quarterbacks. He does. It's Trevor Lawrence and and uh, and um, Zach Wilson. He's sure that he'll get one of them there. Oh, is that what it yeah, is? Yeah. Yeah. Is that what it is? So I don't think, uh, from what I understand, they've got. From what I understand, Kyle Shanahan likes uh, Mac Jones, and the front office likes uh, Trey Lance. I don't even know the Justin. Fields Who do you like better, uh, Trey? Trey Lance. Okay. Yeah. There is. I mean, I, and there is something to. I mean, we've seen Mac Jones against much better competition than we've seen uh, Trey Lance against. Sure. 
but we've also seen Mac Jones play with much better teammates than Trey Lance has. And, and yep. really, we haven't seen Trey Lance in quite some time. Yeah. So no, it, there's something for that. I mean, you're he's much more of a projection than Mac Jones. I mean, Mac Jones has got you've got some wide receivers over there who have Brandon Ayuk, and you've got um, oh, who's their other uh, catch and run spe- specialist over there, uh, Debo Samuel. And uh, you know, if you if you add another legitimate wide receiver target uh, into the mix, a guy who can stretch a field a little bit, you've got a pretty good offensive line. You've got two tackle positions taken care of, um, a running game that that is going to work based on the outside zone scheme they run. So, I mean, it's not like that's a bad spot for Mac Jones. Far from it. It's actually we all know that's the best. I mean, they just lucked into a high position because they had a bunch of injuries. Yeah. So it's not the worst place in the world for a Mac Jones to go. I can tell you that. Uh, I asked you this earlier today because, and I, I love this wide receiver crop. I love Jalen Waddle. Uh, I, I, I love Devonte Smith. I love Jamar chase. I think they're all going to be good NFL pros. And I asked you, is it possible Kyle Pitts could go ahead of all of those guys? And I mean, he is there, is it possible that the Falcons would look at him at four? Uh, I think it's possible if you look at it like this. You know, I, I haven't put them there because I think that they have some other needs. But if you really think of, think of, about it, so you say, okay, well, they've already got Gage and they've got Calvin Ridley and they've got Julio Jones. But at some point, Jones could get moved. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, you still want to have two big-time targets, and that would yeah. be two targets. I don't look at Kyle Pitts. This idea that you say he's a tight end, he's not a tight end. He's not a tight end by any standards. The first way you have to look at him is a that he is a pass-catching target is what he is. And, yes, does he play the tight end? The only time that that matters really is how he aligns or your fantasy football team. That's it. I mean, he's a playmaker. If you if you want to line him up wide, you can line him up wide. You want to line him up in the slot, you can do that. At the wing, you can do that. In line, you can do that. I mean, that kind of stuff is, is really makes it – like I said in his write-up, he's the kind of guy that can force teams in his own division – to alter how they put their roster together. I mean, he's that kind of dangerous uh, weapon. So I think um, I think Atlanta could consider it that, but you know they were really bad in the secondary. They've got some major holes there. I know everyone thinks they need to go quarterback. I mean, personally, I wouldn't draft Fields, Lance, or uh, Mac Jones. For me, I wouldn't draft those guys in Atlanta ahead of a guy like Sertan or Pitts. I mean, I just think they have. I just don't think highly enough of those quarterbacks personally, my own personal grade. I, I'm assuming that, and I don't, I don't, I'm not sure how people view running backs. I'm assuming that Travis Etienne goes in the first round. Is it safe to say that Najee Harris won't now that he's like, oh, I'm not going to run. And he already is a little, he doesn't look fast. Like there, there, there's, it's, it's not fast. He I, was a four, seven 40 guy out of high school. So it see it seems like, well, I don't want people to see that I'm not fast. That's what it is. That's what it is. And then this is where, oh, you need to see that. You If you, the tape Put doesn't the tell you on, something. Yeah. yeah, we get that. But he's going against Etienne for the job. Like, people who want running backs are going to be considering him versus Etienne. And Etienne can do the same thing Najee Harris can do. He's a three-down player. Like, they're equal in that regard. But who's the more explosive player? Not uh, Travis Etienne is the more explosive yeah. player. Najee Harris is a great running back. But... I mean, his longest career run is 42 yards. That's not that's not exactly home run hitter. So that's, I mean, I, hey, I think uh, Najee Harris had a great year, put on some great tape. I got a first-round grade on him. 
But if you ask me who I would rather have, I'd rather have Etienne. Give me the guy that can create the chunk plays. Um, that's that's what I would rather have. I mean, it's like having he's like having um, Derrick Henry, but without the breakaway speed. And if Derrick Henry didn't have breakaway speed, he'd be Eddie George. Did is Javante Williams into the conversation? Maybe as number two running back. Absolutely. I think he's good too. I think he's really good, and he's a better athlete than Najee. And honestly, um, I think Michael Carter is going. He'll go. He'll get drafted later, but I think he's also very good. I think it's yeah. I think guy he's a third round for, for solid. I think he's a third round running back. Um, that's another one who's probably going to go inside the the first uh, five or six running backs. He had a great pro day. Javante had a good solid pro day. Um, it wouldn't shock me if Javante Williams challenged Najee Harris for second running back off the board, but. You know, one running back in the first round, I think, will be it. And maybe there's a chance there will be zero. But a second one will come off the board pretty quickly on, on uh, day two. I mean, a first one would on day two if they all slide out of the first. We uh, heard from Nick yesterday. And uh, you seem to indicate that they might be willing to trade Watson. And obviously, with all this crap going on, you know, I, I don't know which team's going to be willing to pull a trigger on it. But obviously his value is not what it was, but do you see something happening before the draft? Uh, not before the draft. No, it's just too much. No, I don't think any team is going to want to take on this level of um, uncertainty. I, I just can't see it. I wouldn't. And, and I don't see any way that it gets settled within the next uh, three and a half weeks. Well, this thing's not going to get settled in the next three and a half years. Yeah. So, so, well, if he wants to settle, Outside of court, I mean, here's the thing: the Texans may end up. Well, well, I don't. That's the tricky part: is what happens. Like, what's his punishment going to be? Is it going to be a? Um, is it going to be an exempt list? For, you know, the commissioner's list, or you know, how is he going to be punished? I don't think it's going to be criminal, but how is he going to be punished? That's going to be the concern. And and once you have an answer on that, then I think he is tradable. I think teams will say, okay, what is our value for a guy who's going to miss the first eight games? Or what is our value for a guy who's going to miss a whole year because he's suspended? And we have to worry about this face of the franchise thing with our home fans or whatever the case may be. I think once that happens, uh, the the Texans will get some offers, and I do think they'll pull the trigger. I don't think, I don't think the McNairs are going to want to have uh, Deshaun here. I mean, when your best – when your best defense is here's 18 massage therapists who said Deshaun didn't whip the towel off. Like when <laughs> why'd, that's you have, your, why'd you have 18 massage therapists? Yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. I mean, it's clearly not about the massage. If you, you, this is now their defense is not that, well, yeah, he's got a ton of Instagram massage artists, but, um, all that means is those 18 girls are uglier than the other 21. <laughs> I won't co-sign he just, that. He wasn't turned on. Like it didn't but, do it for him. I mean, you know, the math of the whole thing is, is getting to be a little bit much, and and I think that, I think I think he is. I think you'll see them change. They're already changing their tune. Now they will potentially consider, which means I think he will be gone. But they're not gonna they they they're not gonna want to get fifty cents on the dollar. Well, I mean, but, just not going to. But can we agree the days of oh, three first round picks plus that's gone now, right? Right now it is. In the future, we'll see. Um, you know, here's the thing: after the draft, if if the Carolina Panthers don't get a quarterback that they want. They still, I I still think Carolina's in play. I really do. Um, San Francisco's obviously out, but Carolina I think would still be in play. 
the New England Patriots could still be in play. The Pittsburgh Steelers, although the owners are a little more skeptical about uh, um, <laughs> someone with sexual assault allegations on their uh, <laughs> yeah, well, rubber. you know what happened with 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 Ben, but they are a little bit you know that stuff happened with with Ben after they had him. I don't know if they're going to love it going into it, but I do think the Patriots could still be in play, and I do think the ja- the the Carolina Panthers absolutely would be in play. But they'd also have to sell their owner on it. And you remember they had some issues with Jerry Richardson. I was going to say their own owner got me tooed. Yeah, like you can't you can't bring in a guy who's being accused of sexual misconduct when your owner got like the only reason you own the team is because Jerry Richardson was accused of sexual misconduct. Mm-hmm. But that's the only guy you have to. I mean, that's the guy you have to convince. Is uh, Tepper would be the guy you have to convince. Boy, Dave that's... Tepper. And it's a different Dave Tepper. It is. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm pretty sure we could get the Dave Tepper we know, Tepper. he'd be all for it. Yeah. He okay? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, this other Dave Tepper, I don't know. Uh, what do you think of the uh, the Cougs chance? Uh, I mean, obviously, they're, they're dogs, and it's it's an uphill battle. But, I mean, you told me you you uh, you feel like you're doing better betting college basketball now that you're watching it. Yeah, that, you know what? I figured <laughs> out thought? that uh, when you watch things, you get a better feel for them. Yeah. Instead of just, you know, guessing. But um, I... I really, I don't. I think the Cougs are a bad matchup for. I think Baylor's a bad matchup for the Cougs. I should say. Um, my my biggest concerns are: look, that's a team that shot thirty two percent from the field and won. That's yeah. that's almost impossible once you get to around like the Elite Eight. And Houston did that twice. They did it in a in a tip in win against uh, Rutgers, and then they did it uh, in the Elite Eight round. And so. It's really, really tough. They've got to shoot the ball better in the next round to have any chance. They've got to win on the boards, and then they're going to have to make sure that they prevent Baylor from getting out and transition and scoring. And so that's, you're asking a lot. I mean, you're asking a lot. So um, they're going to, you know, they've just got to shoot the ball uncharacteristically well. I know they like to get up volume shots, but they've got to go in for Houston. I'm, I, frankly, I'm surprised the number's as low as it is. And that's, that's more of a nod to how good Baylor can be. They can really turn it on. Yeah, I agree with you, actually. As much as I'd love to see UH win, I've already bet Baylor at five and a half. I, just thought, yeah. I, I thought it should be eight, nine. And That's you've got, what I thought. You've gotten to watch a little bit of Gonzaga. Are you, uh, Man. you, are you starting to, to believe in the hype? Yeah, yeah. I, I thought USC could maybe keep that one close, and it wasn't even remotely close. And it's just they're one of those teams that I mean, you just can't. You could take two players away, and they still have two others that can beat you. It's... There's really you have to catch them on a night where they're not shooting well. Maybe they get into some foul trouble on the interior. You're going to have to shoot the ball exceptionally well. I mean, I'm not going to say certainly Baylor has the type of guys that could stick with them. If Houston gets by Baylor and they take on Gonzaga, I mean, we'll be talking about you got to have one of those Villanova Georgetown type of games that we saw in 1985 for them to have a shot. I mean, it's it would yeah, take have almost to shoot eighty percent. Yeah, yeah and, and that's not what they do. Yeah, yeah, but you would have to have a really really incredible game to beat. And I think it's going to take an incredible game from anybody to beat Gonzaga. I mean, they just don't, other than one half against BYU, they don't really take halves off. No. And the thing with UH, if UH were to get to Gonzaga, UH wants to play a slow game. And if and your your chance to beat Gonzaga is better if you play a slow game. The problem is Gonzaga, won't. they don't allow it. And, and UH isn't talented enough to dictate their pace. 
So that means UH will have to play faster. And if you play in a high possession game with Gonzaga, you can't win. You have to. Yeah, that's and that's a problem is you have to almost have their type of firepower. To, that's why Baylor is Baylor's the best matchup for him. Yep. You can't play an opposite style and beat them because when you get behind, then if you have to play their style, you're just a sitting duck. And the only way you can beat a team like that, and it's counterintuitive, but you got to slide into the, into the ice, into the skid. Like you've got to. You really have to play a fast team fast. Well, and Baylor, Baylor shoots forty one percent from three. If they're hot, that's that might be the way to beat Gonzaga. If you just hit a ton of threes, and that's always the and it, normally we look at it as the recipe for like a, a mid major to upset the you know the higher seed in the first round. If you're a team who can go out and just get hot from three, mm-hmm. but in this case, like. Baylor's the second best team in the country, right. and that may be what it takes for them to compete. Like they have to right. go out and hit forty five, fifty percent from three one night. Yeah, um, I'm looking forward to it. First of all, I'm very excited that uh, the Cougs hung on to Kelvin Sampson. I love the way that they've used the transfer portal to really build up their team, and this could be one of those games that it is amazing that a team that has had the success for as long as they have in Gonzaga got their first five star this year. In Jalen Suggs, and I think uh, you know Houston certainly is a different type of basketball program, a different type of city. It's it's very different than Gonzaga, but at the same time, maybe a, a an appearance like this in the Final Four can really elevate their recruiting hopes and keep a, a big time player home from Houston or a surrounding area. You know, maybe that's what it's going to take. So, if uh, if that happens, it'll be less about pulling a guy from Towson and pulling a guy from. Arkansas and pulling, you know, pulling a guy from from uh, Kansas. It'll be more about building your own, hopefully three year players. Because I think that's a real key too. Houston's so veteran right now. I mean, they have even though all the guys didn't start at University of Houston, they're still not a young team. They they they've got experience. They've got tournament experience, and that's why I think they made it this far. Well, we were talking before the show. It's really amazing that Gonzaga's here right now because they lost. You know. They they lost four of their top seven usage guys from last year, uh, three starters, and somehow they're better than they were a year ago. And if this system that, that Mark Fuse built is going to now start adding in guys like Jalen Suggs, the, the rest of the world is in trouble. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no. They really are. It, yeah. it's, it's, it, it's got... And Suggs is kind of a, like, he's a Gonzaga-type player, too. He's a team-first yeah, like he did. You didn't have to sacrifice that with him. And I was telling you, I mean, this is a guy who had his, he had an opportunity to play quarterback at Ohio State. Like that's the kind of a football player he was. Like he got offered by Ohio State to be the quarterback. Yeah, that's and he said, "No, nah, I'm going to go play at Gonzaga." If that's happening, Gonzaga's about to start getting flooded with guys like that, especially because Jalen Sugg is going to be a top five pick. Uh, I, I think it, I think the floodgates may open uh, for this program. Well, I mean. The only way they're going to get sunk is if you start recruiting guys who are one and done. And I think that's the thing. I don't think they're going to recruit many one and nope. done guys. And maybe that's by design. Because I remember I had a friend who used to um, coach for Calipari when he was at Memphis. And he said, man, when you recruit like this, every single year is a grind. Because you know they're all leaving. Like, you know two years is the most you're going to get. And I think that's kind of smart to say, you know what, we'll go after one five-star guy one or two that's it that's all yeah and then you build up you get a bunch of killian tillies and drew timmy's guys and drew timmy's a freshman and he's a he's a stud 
but you know, or he's a sophomore now. But the the Corey Kispert's, those guys, that are going to stay two or three years. That that's how you really build something. You and then you start getting transfers, grad transfers to put around them. The Edmond Gilder last year from Texas A&M. They took Texas A&M's best player and said, "Hey, you'll be our seventh guy." <laughs> that that's how you build a winner, man. That that's uh that it's it's pretty impressive. Uh, that is Lance Zerline. He's also somewhat impressive. Uh, you can hear him mornings on the bench from seven a.m. to ten a.m. When John Granado is not saying inappropriate things, he mm. sometimes has a chance to talk. Rare. Yeah. Uh, appreciate it, Lance. We'll talk to you next All week, right, man. We'll see you guys. All right. We'll be right back. It's a Blitz, ESPN 97.5. Set your clock and grab your job. This is the Blitz on ESPN 97.5. Listening to the Blitz on ESPN 97.5 and on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. Here's Fred Fowler and AJ Hoffman. You know, I was just—I was shocked. I was floored. I was not expecting at that point uh, to get traded. Uh, and and again, this is not any sort of slight on the Dallas Mavericks, but the Dallas Mavericks weren't one of the teams at any point in time. Uh, that we had discussed. And so I was just a little jarred by that. I, I called Mark after, and what, what I told Mark was, um, Cuban, of course, but what I told Mark was, you know, in any other year, I'd be thrilled to get traded to the Dallas Mavericks. It's one of the premier organizations. I think Rick is one of the best coaches. And and as we just discussed, the opportunity to play with a guy like Luca and Chris Stops and we went down the line. All, all their guys, they got a great team. Uh, all right. Uh, before we get to that, Buffalo Wild Wings and Carbach are celebrating the return of baseball. Head out to Buffalo Wild Wings off I-10 and Blaylock this Thursday as we broadcast live from 4 to 7 for baseball's return with an ice-cold Crawford Box. Brewed in collaboration with the Houston Astros, a portion of Crawford Box proceeds goes to the Astros Foundation. No better way to watch the Strohs. Them with a cold Crawford box. So come see us Thursday, 4 to 7 p.m. at Buffalo Wild Wings in Hedwig Village. So J.J. Redick is upset that the Mavericks didn't trade him closer to home. Pelicans. Or the Pelicans didn't trade him closer to home. They traded him to the Mavericks. He asked to be traded closer to home. Apparently, he demanded to be traded closer to home. Which he lives in Brooklyn. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'd probably love to be traded there too. But here's the deal. Guess what the Nets are going to be willing to give up for JJ Redick, who by the way is playing like ass right now anyway. Like if JJ Redick were playing like JJ Redick of 2017, okay, now now you're talking about you've got a real asset. You could you could trade that guy for something or, or people would would give something up for him. The Nets certainly aren't giving up assets for him. Uh and, and the fact that he says uh, my family in Brooklyn, not just my family in New York. Like, we get it. 
you, you're 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 trying to grab that ring. I I understand it, but I don't get this. the The Pelicans are a bad guy for not trading me exactly where I wanted to go, even though the the Nets probably would have offered literally nothing for him. Like, okay, we'll trade you, but what are we going to do? Take nothing for you so you so you can get your way out of this contract that you signed? If if And then he's like, well, they, I thought they should have bought me out. Yeah, he goes on to say that as of like February 1st or something like that, he was under the impression that, well, they're not going to trade me. They'll just buy me out when, he, the, when the deadline passes. Listen, you want to be closer to your family in COVID times? Guess what? So does everybody. So do guys in the military. They'd love to be closer to their families right now. Oh, that sucks. And they're not they're not getting 17 mil a year to be away from. If you really wanted out of that contract, you should have went to the Pelicans and said, hey, you can buy me out of this contract for $1. And, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll be on my way. But of course, I mean, listen, he's got some time left on his uh, on his uh, on, on this deal. He's trying to make some money. I get it, but if you got to decide, you can't have it both ways. And this is so lame that, that now people are like pressuring the Mavericks to do quote unquote do right by JJ Redick, which basically means cut your losses and let JJ Redick have his way. If JJ Redick wants to be close to home, and JJ JJ Redick's welcome to retire from the NBA. Honestly, wouldn't be a bad time to do it. You're playing like ass. You're coming to the end of a career. Had a long, healthy career. Looks like you care more about podcasting now than being an NBA player. Okay. Great time to just say, you know what? I'm going to hang it up. I don't have it. I don't have it left. But then there's also that $7 million left on the deal. I hate to throw that away, don't you? I just don't understand how J.J. Redick is the good guy in this deal. What, what am I missing? Well, I mean, all he wants is to be treated like Victor Oladipo and James Harden. I, I don't think that's too much to ask. But that's what it is. Yeah. You know? And the, the now the Rockets will do He should have played with the Rockets. If he'd signed with the Rockets like they thought he was a couple years ago, and then he was like, no, I don't want to be treated like an asset. Mm. <laughs> I bet you wish you, you wanted to be treated like an asset now. Because the Rockets, they'll move you for nothing. They'll move you wherever you want to go for pennies on the dollar. And, well, you want to be with the Pelicans now? Now, oh, I wish I, I wish New Orleans was closer to Brooklyn. Well, I, I don't understand why uh, why New Orleans ownership didn't just move the whole franchise to, you know, to New York so I could be closer to my family. Wah, wah. Stop. And now, it, hey, whether you that whether you believe whether he means it this way or not he's basically telling the Mavs to piss off like the team that just traded for him and is you know I I, I don't understand what this guy wants I don't understand I, I mean I understand what he wants but you have to understand that you don't just get to pick where you're going to get trade you can't demand a trade and then say I demand to be traded here no or I want you to buy me out. No, how about you play the contract you signed or 
If you want to be traded, we'll trade you where we can get an asset. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I just, you know, but again, all these guys are pulling stuff like this off, and he's just looking at that saying, yeah, why can't it be me? Because you're and, not James Harden, bro. I mean, you're, you're a guy who plays like 14 minutes a game, uh, and really all you're good for is, 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 is taking a, a three-point shot, not making as many as you used to, and you're a really good free throw shooter, and you, you apparently have a pretty popular podcast. The Mavericks just gave up assets to get him because the Mavericks, they're in what we would call a playoff race. Uh, it, it, most people would say, man, I just got traded from the Pelicans, a team that's out of the playoff mix. But, no, they're not, I guess, totally out of it, but they ain't going to the playoffs, let's face it. To a team that's in the playoff race. Normally, that's like, wow, that's awesome. I mean, would he be happy if they traded him to the Wizards? Yeah, you're closer, closer to Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you're in the That's northeast part want. of the country. Oh, how, how about we trade you to the Raptors? There you go. Trade I trade you out of the damn country. I I don't get it. I, I it 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 reeks of entitlement and just spoiled nonsense to think that they should have quote unquote done right by him and either buy out his contract or trade him where he asked to be, even though that team wasn't going to give up any assets for him. It's stupid. And you're surprised this is coming from a Duke guy? I, I, no, I'm not I'm uh, not surprised. I right. trade him to Boston. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. I don't think Boston. I, I don't know. I, 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 I don't think Boston's given up anything. Like no. I said, this guy's, not a, this guy's not what he was three, four years ago. <laughs> guys should just go do his podcast. All right. <laughs> Quick break. Yeah, you know, I... I wonder if guys who are still playing should be doing podcasts. It's kind of... Anyway, we're going to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere. It's a Blitz on ESPN 97.5, 92.5. Warning, warning. You're listening to ESPN 97.5. is The Blitz on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Fred Fowler and A.J. Hoffman. And we are back on The Blitz. And uh, some of the guys on Twitch were asking about Carlos Correa landing spots. Uh, and I, somebody else was asking earlier, the only... There, there's no real news. Allegedly, they're still negotiating. But the season starts tomorrow. Now, I don't know why these guys do this whole, well, once the season starts, I'm not negotiating. It's your agent. Let him deal with yeah. it. Yeah. You know, it's no big deal. But, um, yeah, there's no there's no real news. Uh, and we were talking about the, the news. Lindor turning down 325 mil. Yeah. I mean, that seemed like a fairly. It's a healthy offer. Interesting offer, yeah. But good on him. Uh, I mean, good on him for trying to max out, and chances are good he'll get more than that now. Yeah. Although, I mean, the the Mets are one of the teams that are willing to pay you. But it, let's also remember, much like the I was talking earlier in the show about the Laramie Tunsil thing, when you trade a ton of assets for a guy and you don't have a long-term deal in place already, you're kind of bent over a barrel. 
Yeah. Francisco Lindor is aware of that. The, oh, the yeah. Mets gave up their farm system for him. Uh, well, we got to pay him now. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just assumed that when they traded for him, they were they at least had an idea what it was going to cost. Yeah. And uh, maybe they didn't. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. But, uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, I'm pretty sure Carlos is going to wind up not signing. And then you wind up, then you see what happens during the season. And if you get to the trade deadline and maybe you're not doing as well as you'd like. Yeah. You move the guy. I don't think that's a bad idea and let someone else deal with the headache of, of trying to, uh, to pay him what he wants. Uh, or, but, or there's going to be a team that says I'll give up this form because he's a rental and they may not even be trying to resign him. Yeah. Uh, that's a, that's entirely possible. He, they may look at him as like a, uh, a you know, a Carlos Beltran. Like, well, just bring him in here, be a mercenary, give us a good playoff run, and go make your money. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that could go. I, obviously, for the Astros, the longer they wait, the better they the, the better it is for them because they've got more information on what the right thing to do is. Uh, if they aren't going to win the division, they're not going to go to the playoffs that probably is the best move. Yeah, I I really find it hard to believe that they won't make the playoffs just because it's such a an easy thing to do. But you know, if that's if that's where you are when you get to that point of the season, it's not an impossibility. I mean, there's a good chance the pitching implodes. There's a good chance that the offense um isn't what we think it's going to be. And you know, hell, they had a losing record in the 60 games last year. I mean, now that I don't really count last year good or bad, but if they play, play well, of course they played so well in the playoffs, it kind of erased it. But you know they could uh, they could have an off season. I just don't know that there's anybody in that division that's good enough to be better than them. I don't think the A's are any good. Uh, the Angels should be, but they aren't. And you know, the Mariners are, you know, and the Rangers do they even exist? Do we even still no. have the Texas Rangers? No. I know they have a nice new park that's going to be full. Yeah. But, yeah. But we also, I mean, hell, it, it, there's questions about the Astros, too. We all think the batting order, the, the lineup's going to be good. There's a lot of questions on this pitching staff. Oh, yeah. I so. mean, especially now that Framber's out for who knows how long. Right. Does he even come back? I mean, I'm promising reports. But, and then if he does, is he the pitcher that we saw last season? And I think you can ask that question about, you know, Javier and all Javier, these guys. Yeah. Uh, are they really that pitcher? Because... We didn't see a full season out of him, and for as much as I, I dismiss your negatives from last year, I have to dismiss the positives as well because it was sixty games. So, yeah, I don't know what they're going to be. I, I know Zach Grinky will go out there and throw moon balls and pitch pretty well for you. I, I think Lance McCullers will have a nice year. Uh, after that, you know, I, I like the guy they signed. I think he's got a chance to be a good pitcher for him. But there's a lot of question marks there. And, you know, in this lineup, too, just no George Springer at the top. It's kind of a different setup. And, I mean, that, that was a guy that, I mean, he was not a traditional leadoff hitter. But, boy, he set the table for you. So, I don't know how that's going to work out with Jose Altuve up there. We shall see. Yep. Option three, Johnny, is Mike Fires faking an injury to not have to face the Astros. I think Mike Fires is going to hide from the Astros the rest of his life. At this point, he's made it so long, he might as well. Yeah. And, 
you know, that's, hey, that's what cowards do, right? So, 713-780-ESPN is your number, 713-780-3776, if you want to get in. And, uh, you know, but we'll see. I mean, I think, uh, and, and I'm sure Creighton, who comes on next, will have some insight into it, but maybe maybe they do get a deal done. And if they did, great. I mean, one less thing to worry about. And you have, you know, then you've got a core for the next four or five years. Yep. With, you know, Correa, Altuve. Cor- safe, you Bregman. have a core with your, in your, uh, on, offensively. Offensively, you've got a core. You're, you're pretty much theoretically six deep, assuming Kyle Tucker is, is a player, um, in that you have Bregman, Altuve, and Correa, and uh, Tucker and Alvarez. But that's, again, you're assuming Tucker and Alvarez are going to be players for you. And they've, they've shown flashes. They very well could be. But, you know, that's that's a good start to a lineup. Not an entire team. But All right. We're going to take a quick break. We come back. Muertes. <laughs> si. Bueno. It's a blitz on ESPN bueno. 97.5, 92.5. On ESPN 97.5. You are listening to The Blitz on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Fred Fowler and A.J. Hoffman. And we're back on the Blitz. Join us for Lucille's 1913 inaugural golf tournament Monday, April 12th at Herman Park. Proceeds will benefit nonprofit Lucille's 1913 and the Imani School. The tournament will be an 18-hole scramble with a 12 p.m. shotgun start. Food will be provided by Lucille's 1913, including box lunches in the style of individually packaged meals that Lucille's 1913 creates for the community. Following the tournament, all golfers will be treated to a seated, socially distanced dinner on an exquisite one-of-a-kind stage set up as a hazard on the 18th fairway. Uh, complimentary beverages will be provided throughout the tournament by Silver Eagle and Highway Vodka. Register now at eventbrite.com. So, there you have it. Um, I'm kind of depressed, man. There's no basketball tonight. Sure there, there is. Maverick no, Celtics right now, no, baby. real basketball. Oh. You know, like uh, that college stuff we've been watching. Think about this though: the Mavericks are playing at Boston right now. That's really close to JJ Reddick's house. Oh, uh, and your Houston Rockets are beating the Nets right now. What? Eighteen to six. Oh, what's the live number? <laughs> I'll have to check on that for you. So, uh, five out of six winners now at Sam Houston. Look at you! And the one boy. I didn't have was a seventy-dollar horse that I used in the pick three. So uh, I'm two for two on that. All right, let's do uh, do a little best deaths from the week. Well, Rockets not. are still plus five and a half. Oh, okay. Uh, I'd go the other way. Plus two twenty five money line. Um, yeah. Uh, no thanks. Two thousand two Dudley Moore from uh, most famous from ten, but I loved him most in Arthur, where he just played a. I thought he was most famous for Arthur. I think I think it was ten actually, but. Okay. I mean, I'm not uh, going to argue. It's more I, your era than mine. Arthur was uh, uh, the movie that I liked. I didn't like 10, but 
Isn't fun the best thing to have? Famously said that, and he drank a lot. And I like that. Dead at 66, though. Uh, let's see. No, no. Brandon Lee in 1993 from The Crow, son of yeah. Bruce Lee. That was a, that was a rough one because it's very similar to his father's death. All right. Uh, sports figures. 1999, Kyle Ripken Sr., dead at 63. That's not a good run. I think his son had a better run of consecutive games than that. Uh, let's see. No, none of these other guys worth a damn. Political figures. 1584. Ivan the Terrible dies at 53. Now, that's a good run for 1584. And man, if your nickname is the Terrible, how badass were you? Uh, speaking of badasses, it's a guy, he goes in my top five presidents. Dwight D. Eisenhower, dead in 1960. I like Ike. I like Ike a lot. All right. Unfortunately, his heart didn't like him as much. 78, he died. 78's not bad. Eh, it's not bad. What are you asking for? Eh, I mean, I don't know. Uh, How long do you want to last? I, I mean, to me, 75 is a good number. But it's funny when, you know, when we first started talking about when you were okay dying, you were like 90. Now, I think as you, you know, as years go on, you're like, man, getting old is, I know, I, I don't want to be an old man. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to be 85 and pooing all over myself. Yeah, it just sounds miserable. Yeah, let's see. Okay. Uh, 1892, Walt Whitman, American poet, dead at 72. The guy from Breaking Bad. Uh, yes, and he also was buried under leaves of grass, which is a reference no one will get unless you studied Walt Whitman's stupid poetry. Uh, 1968, Yuri Gagarin, uh, Russian cosmonaut, dies in a plane crash at 34. That's too bad. Imagine going to space and then like a regular yeah. airplane kills you. Yeah. Yuri's a good name though. It is. Yeah, like if, if I mean, even for a non Russian dude, I'd like to be called Yuri. Uh let's see. No, no. Alright, here's our best deaths, hopefully. Rockets now up twenty four to six. Yeah, are you you gotta in game the Nets, right? Who's who's sitting out for the Nets? I'm curious about this. I yeah, if I were in gaming it would I don't. I'm not going to bet the NBA. Not nope, going to bet the nope, NBA. Nope, not going to bet. No, nope. never mind. Friends, I don't, don't, I don't care who's out. Friends, don't let friends bet the NBA. I don't want to know. All right, here's your best deaths. Ludwig von Beethoven dies of liver disease at 56. Rolled over. He did, and he couldn't hear it coming. Uh, Easy E in 1995, dead at 30 from AIDS. That one sucks. Jimmy Wynn, former Astro. Uh, retired number, right? Yeah, dead at 78. 1836. You might know that year. Oh, yes. We're about to have a run of uh, sad Texan deaths. Uh, yeah, I think over the next couple of weeks. James Fannin. I once lived on his street. All right. 2005. Johnny Cochran dead at 67. Life didn't fit. <laughs> Mitch Hedberg, comedian, dead at 37. 2005. Sir Isaac Newton, dead in London at 84. Now, that's a run for 1727. But I'd have apples banging me on the head all the time if that were going to get me that far. Uh, 1980, Jesse Owens, dead of lung cancer at 66. And um, one of your all-time favorites, uh, 1995, Selena. 
killed Another by another sad Texan death. Mm. Yeah. No comment. I've told the story enough about when I got beat up <laughs> yeah, for I making know. fun of her. All right, here we go. Porn stars, four of them. Let's see how we can do today. All right, give it to me. 2019, Riley Evans, 32 years old. Let's go overdose. Mm, breast cancer. Mm. Oh, 32? Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. Uh, 2014, Lindsay Springer, 23. Oh, uh, uh, overdose. Heart failure following surgery. Damn it. I'm going to guess overdose related, though, because she's yeah. only 23. So it I'm was gonna, like uh, an overdose on... Um, you know, I don't know, anesthesia or something. Uh, yeah, I'll give you a point. Yeah. Uh, 2016, Andrea Tamai, 40 years old. Ooh. Uh, car accident. Suicide. Boy, you usually don't see a suicide at 40. I don't know. You it, live it, that porno it, life it, when you're in your younger years. When you when it goes away, when you lose your fastball, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, she, I don't hope she didn't have balls. Uh, 2006, Angela Devi, 30 years old. 30 years old, uh, alcohol poisoning. Also a suicide. Mm. By alcohol? Eh, no, unfortunately. So, yeah, there you have it. Those are your deaths. So, mm, not not great deaths. So, uh, the best deaths were pretty good. We'll, were, get some, we'll get some good. You did skip uh, over Joseph Duncan, which I think Sword and Scale already covered his reign of terror in Idaho, right? Uh, I don't know. Probably, yeah, I'd have sure to. I'd did. have to know more of the story. He was a freaking monster. He stalked a family and killed the mom and dad like right in front of the kids, and then took the kids hostage into like some backwoods cabin. Oh and, yeah, like lived there. And I've seen a documentary on that. Yeah, that's a creepy. Like guy. literal Satan himself in human form. Thank God he died of brain cancer this week. That, like uh, died of cancer like, yes. this week. Yeah, he was diagnosed. I think two months ago. And they were like, well, you're in prison. You get to get treatment still. And he was like, no, I don't need it. And yeah, just, just killed over. No, like, I, I wouldn't, if I had brain cancer, I wouldn't be in a hurry to get treated if I was spending the rest of my life in prison. Yeah. So let me get out point? of here. Checkout time, brother. Yeah. All right. That is going to wrap it up. You know what? Really good job today, Hoffman. Really good job today, Aaron. Hey, thanks, Fred. That was really nice of you to say. Yeah, I mean, I suck, but that's all right. That's how I usually do. Come see us out of Buffalo Wild Wings tomorrow. And I uh, hope all the Blitzers enjoy the evening. Till tomorrow. Stay sportsy, bitches. I just want to and ESPN 92.5. Real Fun Sports.